Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Andrew Boyd. Good, 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 good. Well, great to be here. The title of this message is Being Sent by the Holy Spirit. And it picks up on what Clive was speaking about last week in the video that we heard. Now, you can only ever speak about the things that God has given you that are living. And there's something in here which I'm really, really excited about and that I hope that you're going to be able to receive and that it will really bless you. Are you ready for that? So the aim today, I think when you speak, you need to say to God, what is it you want to do here, Lord? It's not just what is it I feel I've got to say, but what, Lord, do you want to do? And this is what I feel the Lord wants to do with you today. He wants to help us be more effective as Christians who are sent out into the world by walking more closely with God under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and in a place of peace with him and with ourselves. So just to recap a little bit on Pastor Clive's message last week, it was from Mark 1 and his message was, Prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. And there are some points that I wrote down as I was listening to it, which leapt out at me. So I'm just going to recap those with you. God wants to detox us from being driven to being led. You agree with that? I'd like that. That would be great. God is not in a rush. He's not in a hurry. Busyness drives you. But obedience leads you into faithfulness. God wants a people who are led, not driven. This is not going to be a burden for you today, okay? You're not going to be asked to do more today. You're going to be asked to relax into what the Lord has designed especially for you because he knows what you're like. He knows what you're good at. He knows what your gifts are. And he's got great things just for you. Come on, this is going to be good. So we're to live in a place of rest in God, not rush from God. I'm going to come back to that one. As a believer, you find your rest, your security, your identity in Christ. And to quote Pastor Clive, the whip of the world no longer drives our lives. This is a good news message today. Okay, this is a, oh, I like that. Okay. So how can we know what God is saying to us and where he's leading us? Jesus only did what he heard his father saying. So what he did do and what he did not do because of that led to the most fruitful life that has ever been lived on this earth. So this isn't just about what you should be doing. It's also about what actually you don't need to do. Come on, Jesus. There are two stages, I'd say, in preparing the way for the Lord and making straight paths for him. The first is for us to have a prepared heart. David's prayer is, Lord, grant me a willing heart that I may serve you. But it's a prepared heart too. And the second is, From the overflow of that prepared heart, 
to help others do exactly the same, to prepare their hearts and to live fruitful lives. Okay, so God wants to work in you and he wants to bless you from the overflow so that the lives of those you just rub up against, the ones you just meet, the ones you encounter, wherever you are, are going to get something good from you, which will give them the peace of God in their lives, hope, direction, and a purpose in their lives, without you having to fret about it. It'll just come out of the overflow of the life that God has given you. So my brief is to be personal and to be practical. So this isn't just theory and theology today, okay? This is about being personal, about being practical. So I want to tell you a story, and I need to keep it brief. I, forgive me if I've told you this one before, but I don't think I have. My background is journalism, and I've worked with the persecuted church for 20-something years and with organizations like Tear Fund, dealing with development and working with the church, engaging with a need in the world for years and years. I've traveled widely, and on one occasion I was in Sudan, been to Sudan a few times. This is while Sudan was just one country. And the size of that country, if you could take, go to the map, have a look at Sudan, cut it out and stick it over Europe, it's most of Europe that one country swallows up. And in the north, it's sand and it's stinking hot. And in the south, it's lush and green and stinking hot. You know, if they could just get their act together and plant properly in the south, you could feed half of Africa. You feel that at night time you go there, and as the sun sets, nature comes alive. And you get, it's not just gentle chirping of crickets. Everything is going, and if you hang up a lamp, because there's no electricity there, the stuff that circles around this lamp, you think... I didn't know there were bugs that big. You stick with that lamp. Keep away from me. The whole place is just humming. You feel like if you eat an apple and you threw the core away behind you, by the time you turn around, the apple tree will be growing. It's like that in the south. But it's the Stone Age. There was one road in this country, South Sudan, was about 25 miles long. After that, there are no roads in a country the size of most of Europe. So... I was going with Tear Fund Partners to, to South Sudan. You go in through Uganda, you go in through a checkpoint that's been shot to ribbons through conflict in a country which is in civil war. You go up this one road and there's a fork. Do you go left or do you go right? This is it. Okay, life is quite simple there. One road, one fork, left or right. Well, we went left and we ended up facing a river. We were in a four by four. And there was a river, and the river was in flood. Now, it's not quite what we've been seeing on the television around here lately. This was a river, and you look at it, and you think, could probably do that. Not sure. Could probably do that. And across the river was a great big tree trunk, and we just kind of thought, well, we'll just sit and have a break. We reflect. We wonder whether we should go over there. We walked across a tree trunk, and there was a market there, and they were selling on rugs on the ground everything you could imagine, foodstuffs. It was lush. They had piles and piles of beans and all sorts of stuff. People were prospering. Just want you to get a sense that this is a country where people prosper or could, given the chance. So we had a, one guy came out from the, from the village, looked at this four by four, and he said, all you've got to do is put a plastic bag over the inlet, 
drive and don't stop and you'll be fine. I wasn't sure about that. I wasn't sure about that. I had a sinking feeling. I didn't want to sink in the river, but I just had a... Now, what do you do with that? Is that fear? Is that common sense? Or is that the Holy Spirit? What? Don't know, really. Not sure. But I'm just not happy with going in that four by four and trying to cross that. So... Our driver was all set to go. He was revving the engine, and I just thought, no, no, no. And I stood in front and thumped the bonnet and said, we're not doing it. Let's put a stick in the river and see which way this water's going. Is it going up or is it going down? If it's going down, we can wait. We put a stick in. We waited a couple of hours. It was going up. So we turned around, and we went back, and we went to the fork, and we turned right. Thank you, Jesus. Do you remember some years back there was a terrible famine in Sudan? You remember that? We broke the news of that famine six months before the rest of the world. I'll just show you what that famine looked like. Could we have that picture, please? The people we met were eating grass or anything that they could pull out from the ground. That's how they were. They were desperate. And this is in a country which could grow anything. Why were they like that? This little boy's name was Clement. Why were they like that? Because they'd been moved around by war. There was a war going on from the north to the south. These are farmers. They'd planted. They could not stay there. They were driven out by conflict. And we found that story. We went to, we went along a long road, the only other road there is. It was landmined. And where the landmines had gone off, you go down into a crater and you come up the other side. And where they think there may still be landmines, there are no signs there. There's no army there to dig them out. They put palm branches over them. Suspected landmine, no signs. You're driving along a narrow road in a four by four, which is quite a weight. And I just remember as a passenger that close to a palm branch, and I just called myself saying, gently does it, gently, slow down, gently does it. We were all right. Thank you, Jesus. But we came to a hospital and the hospital had been surrounded by landmines by the government of Khartoum. Because if you can fix up the guerrilla group in the hospital, they'll come back and they'll fight you. So they landmine the hospital. This one did have signs up. So a wonderful charity called Samaritan's Purse had set up in a school nearby which hadn't been landmined. Samaritan's Purse is run by Franklin Graham. Franklin Graham has just been declared not fit to speak in this country. That is a disgrace to our nation. It is a disgrace to our nation. I've seen the work that Samaritan's Purse, his charity does, and it is outstanding. Don't believe the stuff you read about Franklin Graham, please. There was a nurse there. Her name was Vicky Waraka. I remember her well. They were in this school because they couldn't get into the hospital because it was covered in landmines. And Vicky was doing what she could with the sick people. She was hugging them, 
praying with them and doing whatever she could. And this place, Samaritan's Purse, was spick, span, clean, smelt of disinfectant. And what a relief that was out there. It was a wonderful work, but we found this famine. And when we came back, we heard that other NGOs, non-governmental organizations, who tried to cross that river, two vehicles had been swept away. So thank you, Jesus. Not only have we been saved, but we had been able to do much more reporting than we could have imagined that we could have done. Wisdom's ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. If you feel dispeace, check it out with the Lord. Don't get swept along, or you could get swept away. I need his presence. I need his living word. And I need to worship. So I want to talk about my faith discipline a little bit. It might help you. But I really need every day to get my eyes off me and onto him. Because I'm a warrior. But in Christ, I'm a warrior. And I don't want to be careworn. I can see stuff like those pictures which I took. I can see that kind of thing. And uh, I want to give it to the Lord and learn to give it to the Lord and learn to pray effectively in all of that. So I need my eyes on him. Now, the way it is with our walk with God, the way it was with Israel in the wilderness, God provided manna. And that word manna, if you remember the story, it's a kind of a sweet stuff, a bit like halva or a bit like nougat. Who knows what it was? And that's why it was called manna, because that's Hebrew for, what's that? <laughs> what is it? That's what manna is, okay? That's all they go, what, what's this stuff? Yeah, we'll call it that. We don't know. We'll call it that. But God provided for them every day exactly as much as they needed. Exactly as much as everyone needed, he provided every day for them. Yeah. Now, we lead soft, comfortable lives, folks. Just thinking back to that picture. For us, hunter-gathering has become going down to Waitrose at 8 o'clock and picking up the bargains. Picking up the ready meals with a 10p sticker on it. That's hunter gathering for us. But generations have lived knowing that if you're going to live today and tomorrow, you've got to prepare the land, plant the land, sow in the land, look after the crop, reap it, store it, cook it. Otherwise, you're dead. Well, we've lost sight of all of that, and I'm quite grateful, but we have. But that is the natural rhythm, and spiritually, that rhythm is the same. You would not go without food for days on end unless you were fasting. You just wouldn't think about it. You would eat. Similarly, you need to gather from the Lord and eat daily. You need his daily bread. That's the way we're made. Survival used to require discipline, and spiritual survival still requires discipline. So I start my day by reading the word and by praying. And I use our, our plan 
which actually is quite demanding. There's a lot there to read in all of that. It, it, it's, it's a bit of an effort, but I read it, I read it out loud, which takes longer. But I do that because actually I'm finding stuff which my eyes are so familiar with, just skim over. But actually reading it out loud, I find stuff in there which I hadn't noticed. I have, it has time to breathe. I'm, I can then declare it over me and other people. It becomes a springboard for my prayer. As I'm reading the word, I start to pray for people as, a, as the Lord stirs me up. And it's, it's alive to me. Yes, there's a lot and it's hard work. I'm not going to stop doing it. I love it. I love it. And I keep a spiritual journal. I write down what the Lord is highlighting. And the heart of what I want to share today is something that he's highlighting. So when I'm reading the scriptures, sometimes I just sense God's presence behind me. It's as though the Holy Spirit's behind me. He's just saying, hang on, look at that one again. Really? And I have a look at that one again. I think, what does that mean? Actually, what does that mean? And then I go on to something called Bible Hub. Anybody use Bible Hub software? Very, very helpful. Bit clunky in terms of the way it looks on the page, but actually really helpful for getting loads of different versions, going back to the Greek, going back to the Hebrew. I'm not a scholar. I don't speak Greek. I don't speak Hebrew. I don't know this stuff. I need someone to help me. But if I get a sense that this is saying something interesting, I'll look at all of the different versions of it to find out are they all saying the same thing or some of them saying different things. And then I'll have a look at what those words mean. And I keep a spiritual journal. The next thing I do, because our lives need to be disciplined in order to be fruitful, is I write down in my diary, I start on the either on a Sunday or on a Monday morning, and I plot out what I'm planning to do for the entire week. Monday, right the way through. I have a look through my calendar. I, and what I do with that, I, want, I, I, I freelance. I have no rhythm in my life at all. Okay, there's no consistency in my life whatsoever. I'm doing different things to different people on different days. So I need a reminder, because otherwise I'm just left with a vague feeling of unease that I've forgotten to do something, <laughs> which I hate. So I plan it out. And I recognize that everything is kingdom. Okay, everything is kingdom. It's not just church that's kingdom. My work is kingdom. My family is kingdom. My recreation, my time out to relax is kingdom because my life is for him. So I don't put a hierarchy in there which says I'm, I'm earning money first and then I'll fit in that. Or I'm doing church first, and then I'll fit that in. I don't do it. It's all in balance. I know what I need to do, and I say, Lord, lead me. There are, there are a few fixed points, and there are some points that are not fixed. But I don't want to fill my time. I want to be available, and I do not want to be driven, because God does not drive us. He leads us. I want to be fruitful. We'll just read to you from Exodus 33, which would probably come up on the screen. How are we to be led? This is Moses. He says, God, you've said, you've said to me, Lord, I know you by name, Moses, and you found favor with me. Well, Lord, if you're pleased with me, 
then teach me your ways so that I can know you even better and I can continue to find favor with you. Is that the cry of your heart? Because that's the cry of mine. I want to know him better. I want to walk in his ways. I want his smile on me. I know I walk in his favor, but I want more and more his smile on me. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and give you rest. Then Moses said to him, Lord, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Because if your presence isn't going to go with me, then I don't want to go. Don't send us up from here. Moses was expecting an 11 day journey. He got a 40 year one. You cannot wait for the end of your journey to find your rest. You cannot wait for the end of your day's journey to find your rest in him. His presence has to go with you minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. If you're going to survive this. If you're not going to crash and burn, Thank you, Lord. I do not want to burn out. I don't want to rust out either. I want to be led by him and for my life to be fruitful so that I can hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. There is no merit in burning out, church. None. Are you hearing me? That's a driven life. God's presence means literally his face. My face will go with you and give you rest. I want to know the Lord's face is on me. So I want to keep my face turned to him. Listen to this sense because we find it all the way through Old and New Testament. Matthew 6.33 says this. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, his right wiseness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What does it mean, seek first? I'm sure we all know this, but it does not mean start your day in prayer and then leg it. Just get through the day. Do what you're going to do. And then the next day, start your day. It doesn't mean that. It means he is always your priority. It's not give God something and then the rest is yours. It's not that. He is always, every minute. He's the first priority, the second, the third, the 17th, the 19th, and the 37th. Now, that doesn't mean that we can always give him our full attention. How can you? You can't always, but there are moments when we just turn our attention back to him and we just check our heart and say, Lord, Where's your face, Lord? I want your face on me. I want my, I'm turning my face to you, Lord. And listen, this is the one that really got me. We know this scripture, right? But the Lord just said, oh, what do you think that means? Genesis 17:1. Walk before me and be blameless. Okay? Big deal. What's the big deal about that? Does that possibly conjure up a picture of God saying, well, you go on ahead of me because I'm watching you and I've got my face on you and I'm going to make sure you don't mess it up this week. 
walk before me. Keep going, keep going. And be blameless. No, of course it doesn't mean that. It sounds like it might. But we know it doesn't, right? It doesn't, no. We do know that, don't we? So what does it mean? Why do you say walk before me, Lord? If your face is going to be on me, well, how? Can you just come up here a second? He's a Lord, all right? So if I'm going to walk before you, I can't see you. I can't see you. Thank you. That was easy, wasn't it? Yeah. He's in, he's in a place of rest, you see. It's good. So what does the word mean? It doesn't mean what we think it means. It means walk facing me. It means walk with me before you. Now, these are, these are idioms. They are phrases that translators do their best to translate, but actually don't mean much to another culture. It's a bit like a stitch in time saves nine or trying to explain a joke to somebody. You think, if you, don't, if you get it, you get it. If you don't get it, you don't get it. No, but actually, this means walk facing me. With your face turned towards me, God says to you. Keeping me in sight while you remain in full sight of me. And it's not like that. This is the favor of God we're talking about here. This is the smile of God we're talking about. This is not you stay there where I can keep an eye on you. It's not that. Okay. Walk before me and be blameless. Okay, and then I felt the Lord say, well, just check out what and be means. Well, it's easy, isn't it? It means, you know, and be blameless. Check it out. The and be means, as you walk before me, with my face, says the Lord, constantly on yours and yours constantly on mine, so that everything you do is in the light, yeah? And everything you do, you're looking at my eyes and my smile, the and be means, and I will transform you bit by bit, piece by piece, degree by degree, in a process that will last your lifetime, I will transform you to be blameless. But what does blameless mean? I tell you, it does, unless you've checked this out, it does not mean what you think it means. You see, I suspect that we've inherited a notion that God is a slave driver. That God is saying, you sort yourself out because I'm watching you. It doesn't mean just to be found not guilty. Blameless, to be without blame is not to be lacking something, in this case, blame. It is to be added to until we become healthy, whole, entire, and sound. Walk in the light of my presence so that I will walk with you with my face and my smile upon you. And as you do that, I will transform your life with my favor so that you lack nothing. Isn't that good? Come on. It's like the word shalom, which we mistranslate as peace. 
And we often think that peace is just an absence of war. It's not. The shalom of God is the wholeness, the health, the joy, the prosperity, the vitality. You know, when David says in the 23rd Psalm, you anoint my head with oil, do you know what he's saying? We think it's about, I'm calling you to be a king. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Literally translated, it means, I'm going to make your face fat. <laughs> I'm going to make your face glow. I'm going to make your face just... <laughs> that's what it means. Don't know how that's going to come out on the recording. Anyway, he's going like this with you. Your father in heaven is going... I love your face. I'm anointing your face. <laughs> So walk before me and be blameless does not mean what it sounds like. It's much better than that. And this is a call on our lives. You want your life to be fruitful? Walk in the light of his presence and let him transform you minute by minute, moment by moment, through his favor and through his joy so that you lack nothing good, so that everything is added to you. Where do we hear that? Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. It's the same. God is the same. I'm excited about this. I'm losing my breath here. The ironic blessing. No, okay, thanks. Numbers 6, 22 to 27. It's the same sense. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you have to bless the Israelites. Say to them, now they're imparting something, they're not just words, okay? The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. These are the grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. All that he has poured out Onto you, the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Not an end of war, not an end of striving, not an end to this peace, because that is only the beginning of peace. The peace is shalom, health, wisdom, prosperity, shiny face, joy. Every good thing lavished on you by your Father in heaven. And all of that goes with walk before me and be blameless. So it implies walk with your face always turned towards me. Walk in the light of my presence. Walk where you can see my smile. Walk in the light and let me look on you. Walk knowing my favor is upon you. That favor that brings completeness into your life. That favor where you know that everything that happens to you is for your benefit. I want to keep my face turned always to the Lord. And I've come to realize that repentance is not just about sort yourself out. It's about constantly turning to the Lord. Could we show a little video clip, please? Sunflowers, time-lapse, as the sun comes up, the sunflowers constantly 
turn, let's watch it again, it's so short. The sunflowers constantly turn their faces to the warmth. That's a life of repentance. And what do the sunflowers look like? They look like what they behold, the sun. God is amazing. God did that. God set that one up. He said, yeah, sunflowers, I'll show them. I'll show them what repentance is really like. So I want all my day long to keep my face turned towards my Father in heaven. Now, I can't give him my full attention. I've got stuff to do. But I can touch in. I can touch base. I can go, oh, yeah, you're there. Thank you, Lord. You're there. You're there. See, a lot of us live our spiritual lives as though the sun comes up in the morning and the sunflower goes, Ka-doom! there's the sun. And the sun moves and the sunflower's still going like that. Still going like the sun's over there now and I'm still going here. I'm wilting a bit. I'm wilting a bit. Oh, I'm wilting a bit. And then you pray again. Oh, there he is. <laughs> no. God moves. Let's move with him. God leads. Let's be led by him all the days of our life and during the day. So take time out to check in with God in the day. Life is not a relay race. And I realized that I'd kind of taken it into me a while ago. I just assumed that God gives us a bat and says, like Murray Walker at the start of the Formula One, go, 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 and you're off, whoosh. (laughs) And then there's a mighty pile up on the first bend, right? (laughs) It's not like that. God doesn't run after you thrust a baton at you and you're running, running, running with him somewhere behind you panting until maybe you make it to the end and you can pass it on. That's not, it. you know, there's a saying, life isn't, life's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's not even a marathon because it lasts longer than a marathon. <laughs> Pace yourselves and let his presence, his face go with you and give you rest. Don't run spiritually as though you're in a relay race, you will exhaust yourself. My presence will go with you and give you rest on the journey. And that is my prepared heart. That's my walk. And in my walk, I want to help others in my walk. So we've dealt with the part one. How are we to be with the Lord? Now, what about the fruitfulness in our lives with other people. What happens next? It's a wonderful scripture. Depends on which translation you read. It's Jude. I'm going to give you it from the KJV, the King James Version, because it's translated a little differently in there. It says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Okay, well, that's what we're talking about. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Is there a day that goes by where you don't need mercy? (laughs) Come on. Oh, thank you, Jesus. There's mercy for me. There's mercy for me. And I haven't lost your favor when I ask you for your mercy because the favor stays with me. Thank you for mercy. Okay, and then what? And of some have compassion making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. 
Do you know, when I read that, so it's once again, reading the scriptures out loud, you read them differently. I used to read, and some have compassion making a difference. Andrea, you're a wonderful, compassionate person. You make a difference. Thank you for Andrea, Jesus. Well, good. That's not what it says. It's talking about how we are with other people. And it says, of some, have compassion, making a difference. Some, not all. Why not all? Because you can't. It's impossible. But there are some that the Lord draws to your attention and says, have a word with that one. Have a word with that one. That one needs you. That one. You know, I don't know, I don't know about you, but you go down Montague Street in Worthing and you look at people's faces and I just see need everywhere. Goodness. It's, just, it's no worse than anywhere else, right? It's just people. But the need. Can we, can we fix them all? No, we can't. But we're called for some, the ones the Lord draws you to, to have compassion and make a difference. And the others save with fire, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by flesh. That speaks about tough love. Sometimes there's a need for tough love, to speak the truth in love. But Jesus always spoke the truth. He was always full of grace and truth. If he wasn't full of grace, the truth would have killed everybody who listened to him. We have to be gracious. And you can't speak the truth to everybody. I'm not saying you should lie. I'm just saying that there are some that God is not calling you to reach out to. There are some God is not calling you to have compassion towards, not because he doesn't love them, but because that may not be your brief. Now, it's really easy to get confused with this one and to say, I'm a bit frightened, I'm a bit apprehensive, therefore God isn't telling me to do it. No, it's not the same thing. Jesus always did what his father showed him and told him. When he saw the disciples and he said, come and follow me, immediately they followed him. He'd already seen them in the spirit. Jesus was never driven by fear and he was never driven by need. The need is everywhere, folks. Jesus took himself away from the crowds. I'm trying to slay a sacred cow here. Jesus took himself away from the crowds. So Jesus starts to have a meeting and people start to come and everyone who asks is healed by him, it says. They all receive and they go home and they go, crumbs, bring your friend, bring that one who's sick, bring that one who's got flu, come on, bring them. And then they come back and the crowd gets even bigger the next day. And then the next day the crowd gets even bigger and the next day Jesus is gone. Why? Didn't he have compassion? He's walked away from the need. Each one who came brought a need. He's walked away. Why? Because he's led by his Father in heaven. And of some have compassion, making a difference. You are one person. You are one person. Be led by the Spirit. I do not want to burn out. And I do not want to see you burn out. 
We're called to steward the gifts that we've got. We need to exercise that. Jesus also said, the poor are always with you. Was that hard heart? No, it's wisdom. We need the wisdom of God in order to steward the gift and the resources that he's given us. Each of us needs to do that. And how we do that is as difficult as it was in Sudan when you think, is this fear that says don't go across that water? Everybody else on this team wants to have a go at this, but I'm going, I don't think so. Lord, is that me? Is that common sense? Is that the Holy Spirit? I don't know what it is, Lord. It isn't easy to work out what is the right thing to do. We have to learn to be led by him. I tried an experiment once, Luke 6.30. <laughs> this is Jesus speaking. We've got that one. It says, give to everyone who asks you. Give to everyone who asks you. Okay. Now, he said that in the days before direct mail. <laughs> if we're living under law and by rules, we will give to everyone who asks you. So the next time an NSPCC letter or RSPCA or anybody comes through your letterbox, what are you going to do? Well, I gave. Because the Lord seemed to be saying this to me. I think the Lord was teaching me a bit of common sense, actually. I gave. A month later, you get another demand from the same people. Give. Okay, Lord. Okay, give again. I'll give again. And then they sell your contact details to another organization who then bombards you with direct mail every month. And I gave. Well, you know how that ends up. So many of them through the letterbox. And I'll tell you, one of the worst of them was one of the Christian broadcasters. Bless them. Man. And you get to a point, you think, did you really mean that, Lord? Give to everyone who asks you. And the Lord, I think, with a bit of common sense would say, Richard, Andrew, there are people that I'll bring in relationship with you in your path, and I will say that one. And there are others, and I won't say, and you don't have to, because I want your life to be fruitful, and I want you to learn the wisdom to steward the amazing resource that you are. Common sense and the Holy Spirit. Come on, I want to finish this race, folks. I don't want to burn out. And I'm not going to give up through an unwilling and reluctant heart either. Both of those are problems. I don't want either of them. Let's be led. Listen, it's all there in the Old Testament. Psalm 32, 8 and 9. God tells you how he's going to do this. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. And it isn't just the letter of the law. It isn't just the rules. These scriptures are principles that need to be applied in the light of his face and in relationship. He says, I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. That's the sense of walking with him in wisdom. Do not be like the horse or the mule that have no understanding. And the only way you can get them to do anything is to jerk them around with a bridle or kick them with spurs. That's not what God wants for you. He loves you. He is tender towards you. 
You are his lamb that he, the shepherd, holds to his heart so you can feel his warmth and hear his heartbeat. That's the relationship God wants for you. It's not bridles, bits and spurs. It's not a whip. You're not to run ahead of him so that he can lash your back. So how are we supposed to live as Christians in this world? In his peace. With his wisdom. In constant touch with his presence. And we need to learn to practice his presence. I have a friend who does what he calls micro-worship. It's just what he calls it. And because what he's trying to do when he's not just praying in the morning, but when he's out and about with people, he doesn't want to necessarily, some of you might want to do this, you might want to in the middle of the shopping street, go, but you probably won't, okay? You probably don't want to look like a complete loony. So, but you do want to get in touch with the Lord. So what he does is he just puts his hand on where he thinks his spirit is. For some of us, the spirit is definitely in our belly. (laughs) Whether it's your heart or your stomach, he just does that. He just, sunflower, just turns its face to the Lord. Do it. Just do it. Put your hand where you feel your spirit is. Just breathe and just turn your face now to the Lord. Thank you. Oh, Amen. Okay. Now, I just want to ask you, how many of you felt anything doing that? Okay, a minority. That's okay, because you have to practice it. You practice it, and you'll connect with him. I'm trying to be practical here, folks. Nobody will know that you've suddenly gone hyper-charismatic. <laughs> in the shopping queue at Waitrose or wherever you are, little. They're not going to know that. All you're doing is you're just touching base. You might, the person in the queue next to you might be somebody and the Lord's going, have a look at that one, they need your help. You're going, oh, what can I do? Just touch in. Just touch in. Lord. Okay? Just check in. Check in with the Holy Spirit. I'm learning to be still and know that he is God, even for a second, just to pause and find him and touch his presence. Let me be really practical. I do a lot of radio interviews. I work with Release International. And they're live interviews, and the typical audience for them is more than 100,000 people. There's a lot of people. I could really mess this up. It's live. (laughs) It's live. Sometimes I get dry through. It's live. 100,000 people listening to me. Don't get it wrong, Andrew. Don't get it wrong. I need your help, Lord. Not only so that I don't mess up, but actually I'm a voice for the voiceless because that's the calling of my life. I want to be a speaker for these people that cannot speak for themselves. I want to do it well, Lord. I want to do it in a way that would honor them. I want to do it in a way that's accurate. I want to do it in a way that will bless Release International. So I need God's presence with me when I'm doing it. So I touch him with the Lord and I learn, I've learned, I'm learning to receive from him. A lot of time we ask from God when we should actually just be receiving. 
It's as though God hasn't given it and he's expecting you to jump through a flaming hoop in order to get it. He's not. He's just asking you, take it. Take it. How do we take it? Thank you, Lord, that you have anointed me to be a voice for the voiceless, to speak up for them, to defend the poor and the needy. Thank you, Lord, that you have put that in me. Thank you that you've given me your peace. Thank you that you've anointed my head with oil. Now, I do that silently because I think you'd only get to do one radio interview if you did it out loud. Uh. <laughs> so I do that silently and I do it usually while they're asking the first question. And it takes... And I'm learning to literally receive from him. And I also feel his presence. Now, that isn't the aim to feel his presence. God's aim is faith. So sometimes we're not going to. I'm not doing it to feel anything. I'm doing it to be the one he's called me to be. But I would say as you practice his presence, you will get feedback from the Almighty. But he always, he's, his whole approach is to say, are you really serious? Come after me then. Come on. Come on. Come after me. Because I am here for you. But I need you to want me with your whole heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. When you seek me with your whole heart, I will be found by you. I just want to be practical here. So how do we walk through this life as those who are sent? Micah 6.8. Simple. This is so simple, people. This could not be simpler, any of this. Micah 6.8. He has shown you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy as those who've received it, we need to give it. And to walk humbly with your God. Humbly with God, showing his love his mercy and his fairness to other people. The message version of it is beautiful. It says, but he's already made it plain how to live, what to do. What God is looking for in men and women is quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. If we're humble, we can laugh at ourselves. We will mess up. We will need mercy. And it's fine, because mercy is on tap. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to end with this. In Psalm 23, David writes, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Let's just take the message version again. Surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell throughout all my days and throughout all my day in this life and in the next, in the house and in the presence of the Lord. Get to know goodness and mercy who will pursue you, who will stick to you like glue. God has dispatched them to follow you around. Get to know them, enjoy their company and introduce others to them. Everybody needs mercy, and everybody needs goodness, and you have them. Amen. They're following you around. 
So just bless others with God's goodness and God's mercy. How would you be sent by the Holy Spirit like this? That's it. Simple, right? So simple. Prepare in your heart a way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him and then let him do the same for others through you as you are led by the Holy Spirit to have compassion and he will lead you under his guidance, making a difference. Okay, let's just touch base with him again because I want to leave you with something useful. Just wherever you feel the presence of God, just put your hand there. Just close your eyes a moment. Just breathe in and out. I'm going to shut up. You just connect with him. rhythm of breath. Breathe them in, breathe them out. Lord, let's just pray. Lord, please teach me to walk facing you at all times, with you in sight and to be in plain sight of you at all times. So that being in your presence in this way makes me complete, whole and healthy entire, sound, and unimpaired. So that I may be innocent before you and have integrity at the core of my being in all that I do, so that all that I am and all that I do is in accordance with you, Jesus the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, as you draw people to my attention, help me to be a signpost to them and point to Jesus and to help straighten their paths to lead to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.